We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 160. The Yankees have refound their mojo, Scott. I feel good, even though they lost on Sunday. I don't want to focus on that. I want to focus on the fact that it's three series wins in a row. I didn't think we'd be saying that after what we watched for six weeks, but it's true. Yeah, you got to focus on this uh, on the series wins. I mean, three out of four, we lost on Sunday. That's that's okay. Still three out of four versus a division foe. That's that's what you want to do. I mean, that is what you want, Joe. That's what exactly what you want. You need to take the series from the guys in your division to either gain ground or create ground, and that's what's happening right now. So uh, we're still ahead of the Red Sox as of today. They lost also. Thank you, Kansas City. Thank you, newly acquired Melky. I don't even know if you played in that game, but I'm sure I'll thank you at some point if you're beating the Red Sox. But yeah, they're playing good baseball again. It's uh, it's kind of crazy how much it's turned since what we saw before the All-Star break. It really is. And I think Thursday's game was epitomized what, uh, what the Yankees w- did not have for six weeks. Because they found a way. They scratched and clawed Guardy with the walk-off. They scratched and clawed their way in that game on Thursday night. CeCe didn't have his good stuff. That's a game they lose 10 out of 10 times if that's played in late June. 
Oh yeah. I mean, just the, uh, just the feeling around the team at that point, you know, you're losing that game. So there's a different feeling when you're winning ball games and you have a lot, you have a lot more confidence in the dugout. You know, there's, there's that sense that you could still win these close games, but when you're losing the amount of games that were lost at the end of, you know, in the eighth and the ninth inning that were just brutal, then, you know, the, you, you just get that, that any bit of confidence that you build up in your chest is just let completely out and, uh, and just completely away from uh, the feeling of baseball. So this was, this was good stuff. And, um, you know, they're, those close games, when you win them, total, total reversal gives you that much more confidence the next day. At what point are you going to tell your wife that you can't leave Boston because the Yankees are winning <laughs> while you're there? Dude, I, I don't know, man. This is getting scary to me because um, I, I tweeted this out yesterday. And so, so, no, it was two days ago. So when I tweeted it out, since I've been up here, Yankees were 11 and four. Boston is five and nine. All right. I got the, the voodoo's working. Everything's working exactly like it's supposed to. Yankees have won and lost and the Red Sox have won and lost. So six and 10 and 12 and five. That's pretty good. The, That's pretty good. The Red Sox have also lost a starter during that time. Do you have a little David Price voodoo doll as well? Oh, David Price is the, is the key He's the key person that I'm going after. I feel like if you can break down David Price, turn him against his own team, a la making fun of and going after a Hall of Fame pitcher like Dennis Eckersley, which was probably the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life as far as a media play. Um, yeah, you're just you're breaking a team up from the inside, and it's like destroying an offensive line. You're just gonna it's gonna be like Swiss cheese in, in no time. So I, I hate defending Eckersley because I think he's annoying as hell. I'm sure Red Sox fans love listening to him. He is a super homer, and I get that. He's on the Nesson broadcast, so fine. He's And I'm sure now you're watching the Nesson broadcast as you're up in Boston. But I cannot defend David Price on this. What a baby. What a freaking baby he was. Yeah, the whole thing. I mean, he made a, uh, he actually confronted him, and then all the reports come out. But this is this is to me this is like David Price in a nutshell. I feel like there's always been some kind of a, of an aura around this guy that he was just a dick, and that's exactly what this is. He's just a, a crybaby little bitch, overpaid dick. And Eckersley called a, a spade a spade, and he just couldn't handle it. I mean, you know, pitch and shut your mouth. Well, I'm he glad went, he's not. I'm glad he's not. He got called up. He got drafted and called up in Tampa. That who the sh- hell cares about the Tampa Bay Rays? Everyone right. in Tampa, as we found the last couple years we were down in spring training, everyone who's a baseball fan in Tampa likes the Yankees. Right. So he goes from Tampa, and then he moves moves on to Detroit. He pitched well in Detroit. Detroit, I'm sure, is a great baseball town. People really care. But I don't think – I mean, he wasn't even the number one or two on that staff. He had Verlander there. He had Scherzer there. So he, he didn't have to handle the brunt of any criticism while he was in Detroit. Then he gets traded to Toronto. And Toronto was went 25 years with nothing, nothing good to talk about. So, of course, anytime they have something positive, they're just going to be happy. And then he goes to Boston and he realizes that – uh, things are a little bit different in Boston or if he had come to New York or maybe Philly or something like that. Yeah, the, I mean, the media pushes back a little bit. They actually hold you accountable for the giant contract that you're getting paid. What's he getting paid? Like 220, some 30 some, mil a year. Okay, 30 mil a year. Let's break it down per year. Great. That's insane. When you're pitching that much, you're going to make that much money to pitch. You better, one, go out and perform. And two, you better be a good team dude and just shut up and do your job and and certainly not push back against the media i mean it's just dumb it's one-on-one man like why would you possibly do that the the last the last people when you're a professional athlete the last people you want are your own media guys as your enemy it's just it's just really 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 dumb because you know they're all going to band together now too if you're him do you opt out after next year and give up the 30 million a year which i think it's another four years after after next year? No, I don't. I would. So but do you put up with, with basically yeah. being hated in that town? Yeah, because you know what they just what they just showed? They just tipped their hat or their cap. They, they tipped their cap. They tipped their hand. <laughs> they tipped their hand in the sense that they just let Pablo Sandoval go and, and they owed him a, a shit ton of money. Why, why, why wouldn't they do it again? If so they, he's uh, banking on them. Yeah, well, maybe. Why not? He's literally banking on that. I mean, he's, he's either going to pitch and play baseball for a living, which is not too bad, whether you like the media or not, or they'll send him home and still pay him. The Red Sox walked away from what? What was it? Like forty-eight million on Pablo? They'd have yeah, to walk like, away from like hundred and forty-eight million on on which the, price, which they're not going to do. And there's no way he's no. going to opt out. No well, way. 
Also, the thing is, as much of a baby as he is, and now he's injured and he might need Tommy John surgery, who knows? When he was pitching, he wasn't the number one ace that they signed him to, but he was still a very good pitcher. Yeah, I mean, and we all know what he does when you're paying him that much money and then you're you're built to win in the postseason and you're built to compete, and this guy just crumbles in in late season competition. I mean, he's just he's just not a, a big game guy. He doesn't have the – he ain't got the bulls. No chutzpah. No bulls. You like that Yiddish word? Yeah, the chutzpah. I know the chutzpah. My mom used to say chutzpah all the time. It's a, that's a, that's that's a thrown around North Jersey all the time. Yeah, it's an Italian slash Yiddish uh, Yiddish term. Yep. Well, what does it say about us that we lead a podcast off after the Yankees have won a few <laughs> series in a row and made a trade for a starting pitcher? We lead it off with uh, talking shit about the Red Sox. What does that say about us? I think it's fun when they struggle, and I thrive when they struggle, and it's it's uh, it's. I mean, I love when the Yankees win. I think it's probably the most exciting. But second to the Yankees winning is are the Yank or the Red Sox struggling badly, like h- horrible drama going on, and uh, just the you know blowing up that that team. That's honestly my second favorite thing to see. It's so true. Do you remember a few years ago when the Red Sox collapsed in September? I think it was 2011 when they had um, they signed Carl Crawford. They got Adrian Gonzalez. They signed. Um, who was the other pitcher? Uh, John Lackey. They brought in all those acquisitions, and then they lost like twenty of twenty-six games in September, and the Yankees passed them. It was the same year, if I remember correctly, that the Braves also had a massive collapse. Because I remember this was—I don't remember what year it was, but it was one of the first years I think we had Bronx pinstripes. Because I remember making a graphic that said col- that spelled collapse with the <laughs> Atlanta Braves A and then the uh, the sock logo for the Red Sox as one of the L's. And that was uh, that was part of a graphic that I tweeted out, which helped us grow our base. So we can appreciate. Thank you, Red Sox, for sucking as badly as you were. You helped us grow our Twitter base. Well, where I was going with that is that may have been one of the most memorable September's of baseball in my entire life. Yeah, and it was I'm- just purely watching the Red Sox lose because the Yankees, I think, had clinched a playoff spot uh, a week before the season ended, and I was just watching the carnage every night as the Red Sox were losing and losing and losing. It was beautiful. Yeah. No, it's. I, and I think the the biggest the biggest point that you can take out of that whole thing is that that's that hatred and that rivalry is still deep inside us. It's there. It's just it's just like waiting for you know someone to pour water on it so it can grow. It's just one of those things. that's like ready to go at any second because the hatred is there. Like I truly do hate them. I'm just uh, it's just been dormant. It's not gone. Right. It's dormant. That we need a playoff series. The playoff series will be the gasoline on the fire. I hope so. Well, what do you think about Jamie Garcia? You know, I think it's a, I think it's a veteran guy who can go out and pitch. I mean, if you look at if you look at his um, past, I mean, he hasn't been the guy he started off. I mean, he was in the, I don't even remember if he got rookie of the year, but he was in contention for rookie of the year. I think in 2010 when he came up with the uh, Cardinals, he actually pitched some big games. He pitched in the World Series. Like this is a guy who's got experience. He's a, a left-hander. Um, I think it's a good move. We really didn't give up too much for him. We gave up two two guys that were probably not even going to be covered on the 40-man roster. So. You know, really, uh, I think a savvy move. It's not a headline move by any means, but it's a it's a move that I think gives some stability to the to the rotation, and that's what they need. Well, first of all, before before we move on, is it Jaime or Jamie? I'm going with Jaime because he's from he's a he's from Mexico. Jaime and his last name is Garcia, so I got a very hard time believing his parents named him Jamie Garcia. Yeah, I'm going Jamie. <laughs> You're absolutely right that it's. Uh, I think it's just insurance for the current rotation situation. No, definitely. And we've seen what they've trolled up in the minor leagues to to fill in with this uh, this this fifth starter spot, and it's just not working. So um, they needed to go and do something. And this wasn't the splash. I mean, Sonny Gray is still out there. Sonny Gray is still being talked about. The sun will come up tomorrow, maybe as the deadline uh, shows. You know, maybe that will uh, that will they'll come to fruition. But what I what I think is that they're just. They're basically Cashman's not budging, and if if the A's agree with his terms, then we'll get Sonny Gray. If not, I don't think we're gonna get Sonny Gray. But I think this is kind of a backup plan as well. Uh, but it does add to the depth, no doubt. I saw some people saying, "Well, I guess this means the Yankees aren't trading for Sonny Gray anymore." But I don't no. think it has any bar- bearing on the Sonny Gray. I think you're absolutely right. The Yankees have made their offer to Oakland for Sonny Gray. Billy Bean is talking to a lot of different teams, and he's waiting for somebody to get desperate. He's waiting for 3.30 tomorrow afternoon, or today as you guys are listening to this, Monday afternoon at 3.30, for someone to get desperate and offer their number one prospect. But I don't think that's going to happen because the reality is Sonny Gray is not an ace. 
I think what we're looking at is I think the Dodgers are one of those one of those teams that could swoop in at the last second. I mean, let's say the Dodgers don't get a U Darvish or they don't get somebody. I could see them swooping in and and going after Sonny Gray and giving up more of their their system because they have a pretty deep system and they're already young and nasty. So they're in a, a position. I mean, that team is is built to win right now. I mean, they're they're playing ridiculous baseball. So I think it's a, a lot more of an importance for them. Um, so I could swoop, see them swooping in and overpaying. They've 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 tended to do that in the past. They've overpaid in the past. So why wouldn't they do it again? And plus Kershaw is on the DL right now. Yeah, again, and with with the back that's that's lingered. So that's something that even if he comes back and he's healthy, that could pop up at any time. How the hell is it that the Dodgers still have prospects to trade for somebody like you, Darvish? I feel like they've traded so many people and they've called up so many players. Between uh, oh, they've had seems like number one prospects come up over the last three years. You know, I don't follow the Dodgers by any means in all of their transactions, but what I remember is they made some good trades a few years back. Like they traded, uh, uh, what's his face, Gordon, to the Marlins on at, yes. at the peak right after he was an All Star. I think he led the, the the team or the league in uh, stolen bases. He was hitting for average. Like this dude was on fire. Like very one of the it players, and they got a, a, a ransom for him as far as prospects. And I think they did that with somebody else too, and I can't remember who it was, but. They've they've made some good trades. Uh, they've obviously drafted well. They have a good farm system, uh, so I have to give some credit to their their uh, their scouting department, right? And their minor league guys and their foreign you know scouts or whatever. They, they, right. they obviously have done a good job. Right. Well, when you have Bellinger and Seager already on the major league roster, and you could yeah. still trade prospects for you, Darvish, it's just insane. Yeah. But so Garcia comes over to the Yankees. He's an obvious upgrade over either Caleb Smith or Luis Sessa, and that's great. And now I'm hearing, or we've been hearing, that there's potential Montgomery or Severino innings limits this year, which might be even more insurance why they traded for Garcia. Yeah, and and Severino's is right there at his at his limit, or not? We're saying limits, but we don't know if they're limits. But I think the the biggest thing is talking about, and that's that's a, a fact. If you look at where these guys are as far as the amount of innings they've pitched and what they have pitched in the past, they're coming up on the on their very you know the, the most they've ever pitched. So. I think when you get to that point, you have to start thinking about things. I mean, obviously, at some the, point, you just got to let a guy go. But The innings uh, limit has kind of been a media creation because yeah. Girardi and Cashman have not said the words innings limits. Right. It's basically just been people looking at the history and saying, okay, Montgomery's career high was 139 innings, and he's already at 108. Are the Yankees thinking about shutting him down at some point this season? Same for Severino. Uh, his high between... Uh, the minors and major leagues last year was 151 innings, and he's at 127 this year. So the Yankees haven't said anything that they're going to shut them down. It's just people thinking it might be a possibility. And if you're looking at one of those guys as, as a potential, and I'm not going to call it shutdown, I feel like it's more of a situation where they may skip a start, you know, you know, maybe a couple starts on occasion just to get him um, some rest and to, to lower them so they can be there at the very end. I could see that more of a, a situation. I don't. I don't see them shutting down anybody at this point. I, I really don't. But Montgomery would probably be the guy that they'd want to hold back more than anything. Well, I, don't, I don't think Severino is, is – I mean, why would you – there's no indication that he has any – there's no reason for him to to uh, to be slowed down or shut down. I mean, the guy's still throwing freaking BBs at 100 miles an hour in the seventh inning. Montgomery might put his own innings limit on himself. He's going That's out true. there throwing three innings today. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he's just been—he's been hit or miss. It seems like, especially past the uh, the All Star break, after we dubbed him Rookie of the Year, uh, it hasn't this, been hit or miss. It's been miss, miss, hit, hit. miss. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but his but his one time out there when he threw that—I mean, it was a—it was a tremendous outing. So you, you see no that hit. glimpse. You see that glimpse of, of you know, some very very good pitching, and you think you're getting to a point. But you know, that's baseball. Susan comes out and throws a freaking <laughs> egg. Also, people were saying that, oh, well, could the Yankees go to a six-man rotation? We've talked about this. <laughs> who are the length. six? First, oh, yeah. well, first of all, who are the six? Because they have like four and a half. Yeah, so let's just roll out two more guys that suck so that we can give people a rest. Six-man rotations are meant for like the mid-90s Braves. Maybe. Or when the Mets <laughs> were talking about going to a six-man rotation when they had everyone healthy last year or two yeah, years and ago. at the end of the year like very it's it's just they're very unique circumstances it usually happens at the end of a year uh and a lot of times it happens when you have the call-ups and there's a, a kid that's been pitching very well in triple a and is up and, and can throw uh and you want to give some of your vet guys some some time off so i don't know no that's not happening six-man rotation seems like the mystery team at the trade deadline where it's yeah. just always talked about but never implemented 
but it's a great tactic. You know, you got to say it. the mystery team definitely uh, jacks up the leverage for the other two teams involved or the, the one team that wants the other two teams to start competing harder mystery team inserted into that situation. Also a six man rotation for the Yankees would be basically to just benefit Tanaka. So you'd be screwing the other five guys just to benefit one. Well, just to throw it out, this uh, there, there was a report today saying that the Dodgers and the Yankees are, are in on Darvish, but there apparently is a third team interested, but nobody knows who it is. Hashtag <laughs> mystery team. Yeah, and it's probably the Rangers floating that they, they're talking to another mystery team. Oh, yeah. I mean, why would you want to spark a bidding war between the Dodgers and the Yankees? That doesn't make any sense. Why would you? Th- these teams don't have money. They don't have prospects to burn. If, if the mystery team got its player every time, they would never lose a World Series. They'd be so good. Yeah, maybe the Yankees should. See, I think, though, the Yankees, because of Cashman and his ninja prowess, is the, is the mystery team, but nobody even knows they're the mystery team. That's how, that's how sneaky a ninja he is. Did we know anything about Garcia until that happened? Nope. A little that just, bit. That just there happened. Was, a little bit. Yeah, I think it was already done by the time the leaks came out. It was already done at that point. But how, how excited can you really get for Jamie, Jaime, Garcia? I'm just saying, he still works at that stealth level. He's just, he's, that's how he does things. We didn't know about the last trade either, the, the, the Canely. We thought the Red Sox were going to get it, but nope, Cashman doing work in there. Ninja, 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 and boom, Yankees got him. Didn't see that coming. My reaction when I woke up on Sunday morning and looked at my phone and saw that the Yankees acquired Garcia, I was like, oh, the Yankees made a trade. That's what they did. They made a trade. There you, was can't depth, get, you can't get excited about this. Anyone who's excited about this is lying. Well, you know, it's just a, it's another left-handed starting pitcher. So that's uh, that's cool. You need more arms. We need more arms. You need you need horses at this point in the season to to move forward and actually progress into the into the uh, the later part of September and actually be competing and then into October because one guys are getting tired especially when you have rookies coming up they just never thrown this many innings so you don't know what's going to happen so why not have that guy that has experience and he's he's going to be better than Sessa slash Smith yes although Sessa did look very good today and showed the toolsy stuff guy that he is. So with Sonny Gray, he who knows, by the time people are listening to this, maybe Sonny Gray is a Yankee or he's a Dodger or he's another team's uh, pitcher. But the Yankees are always the quote-unquote leading contender for Sonny Gray. Everybody is reporting that. Yeah, that's true. That's it. Seems like Cashman and Billy Bean are just are just good buddies at this point. They're on their third bottle of bourbon, and they're just you know trying to hash this out. And Cashman's not budging. I think Billy Bean just keeps getting a heavier hand, and that and Cashman's like, it's cool, man. I can drink I can drink bourbon scotch all night long. You're not getting Clint Frazier. It's not happening. You're not getting Glaber Torres. That's not happening. You can have um, you can have Mateo Florial. You can have Florial. And maybe some uh, a pitcher that's in single A, possibly double A. I, I could see maybe Acevedo even being in that trade. Honestly, if there if that would be like, I feel like Acevedo would be almost the uh, the the compromise from the Yankees. Be like, okay, fine, Acevedo too, done deal. So that's, let's, those are three guys that I, I could see in that deal. Let's play a little what if game. Obviously, if it's Torres, we hate the deal. If if yes. Frazier's in the deal, we hate the deal. We what if Chance it. Adams is in the in the deal? I'm actually I'm not. I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm okay with it, I think. What about Justice Sheffield? I would rather give up Chance Adams than Justice Sheffield. Why? Just because Sheffield's a lefty? Well, that and I'm seeing way too many guys recently that have like stupid numbers in double A and triple A with the Yankees, a, a la um, the Lytle guy that just got traded and uh, Dietrich Enns who had Let's, like just... Littell. Yeah, yeah, let's butcher names as much as we possibly can. But these guys all have insanely <laughs> low ERAs and high win losses. So I'm I'm starting to temper my expectations about uh, about what I see. And uh, Chance Adams is another one of those guys who who has you know gone through the system very fast and had has had ludicrous numbers. But when he gets to AAA, he's he's. You know he's been good, but he's definitely walking more guys. He's he's uh, not commanding the pitches as well. I don't know. So I, I'm still kind of on the fence at this point. I'm not going to get overly excited. Um, and I think if you're getting a guy that's controlled for what two and a half years with a Sunny Gray, two and a half pr- proven in the major leagues, then to me that's that's a no brainer. But what is Sonny Gray at this point? Uh, when we had Wally Matthews on last episode, he called him a three or a four, and I think that's underselling Sonny Gray. I don't think he's a number one. He's certainly not an ace, but I think he's better than a three or a four. 
I'd say two three, fringe two three. I think he's right in that range. I think he's a guy that could win you know, 15, 15 games and give you a three something ERA. And, if you, uh, I think if you have Sonny Gray, Luis Severino, Jordan Montgomery as a young nucleus of starting pitching going forward next year, that's very good. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, do you expect Chance Adams to be a number one or a number two? I don't. But who? But but if you asked, if you talked to us at this time last year, did we even mention the name Jordan Montgomery? And I know no. Montgomery struggled, but he's become probably their third best starting pitcher this year. Yeah, no, it's so, true. So who knows? Who knows what what uh, Sheffield or Chance Adams will be next year if they are in the major leagues? Well, that's the thing. I think people are getting so enamored by the, the minor league guys because of the names, because of all the coverage we're getting from the minor league guys, and, and we know what they do, and they throw up gaudy numbers in the minor leagues. <laughs> That you need to, I think everybody needs to kind of like step back and and just and just check those numbers and then look at other guys who have put up stupid numbers and how many of them have actually done well in the major leagues because you know there's a lot of them that that have put up very good numbers in the minor leagues and just just doesn't translate when you get to the majors and if you don't have the command of that that third and you know potentially fourth pitch as a starting pitcher that's a problem when you get around a major league lineup the second and third time that's a problem that's a big issue whereas in the minor leagues you can get away with that stuff and your numbers look good and you're throwing seven innings and you're you're letting up one or two runs with a, a bunch of strikeouts and it looks good so you know people see those numbers where they didn't used to see those numbers and they're getting pumped up i don't i, I get it it's just, uh, you got to temper that stuff. I think also Yankee fans are so prospect crazy at this point. Over the last year and a half, we've just been, become enamored with prospects. Well, and, why and he, wouldn't we? Look what's happened. They've worked out very well. Right. Gary, no, Gary I, Sanchez, I, I, stud. I agree. Judge, but, stud. Frazier looks like he's a stud. <laughs> I mean, we, we, they're all over the place. But you can't have a team of 25 prospects. That's illogical. I, I, I know, but when you start seeing all of these guys that are doing well and succeeding when they get to the major leagues, sometimes, I, and I understand it, I, that it's it's hard to imagine that a lot, you know a handful of these guys will not work out. But, but all I'm saying is that I think maybe we overestimate some of our guys because there are guys. Oh, no doubt. There's no doubt that happens. Absolutely no doubt. I think you and I do the same thing oh, because yeah. we are passionate about them and we see them and we get excited because we want. If we had a choice of going out and getting. Uh, making some trades and even getting a Sonny Gray, or if we had Sonny Gray be a twenty-game winner next year, or we had Chance Adams be a, Sonny, uh, a twenty-game winner, both making the same money, both same contract, we all want Chance Adams because he's our guy. So of course we want the the prospect coming through the system to be the guy that succeeds. Look, let's look at an example this year. Jamie Garcia and Jordan Montgomery have been kind of similar pitchers, but we are so much more excited to watch Jordan Montgomery pitch because he's our guy. Well, and there's potential also. There's that word of potential because there's a, a, a youthful exuberance. He's a rookie. He's coming out, and he's there now. Garcia, while he did have uh, one of the a very good rookie year, by the way, and you're looking at him now, what, seven years into it? He started in 2010. So it's seven years into the career, and he's a – I think he's got a career 3-5 ERA, something like that, but lately he's been pitching more to a 4-plus ERA. Um, I don't know. Th- things happen, and wh- he came out of the gate hot and has kind of – tempered off so you never know you just never know that's that's the biggest thing prospects are 100 percent not a given if that's if that's a yogiism enough for you i'm pretty confident though that cashman's not trading clint uh frazier or gliber torres no yeah i I totally agree and i think yankee fans can go to bed at night and rest easy knowing that neither of those two guys are going to get traded and it seems like the the consensus is actually okay with giving up mateo and I think he would be the headliner. Because of Torres. If, if of Gleyber Torres. Torres didn't exist in the Yankees organization, we would be probably a little upset that Mateo is going. Especially because Mateo's had a great stint at AA. Since he's been called up to AA, he's been on fire. Yeah, he's been on fire. And he hasn't stopped. He's been on fire. He's so been really good. Maybe also that's selling high on a guy. Yeah. It, you know, he, he's rebounding back to that, that very top prospect because he was at a, you know, a very high level. He was the number one prospect in the Yankee system for a while. And now that we have reloaded it, he has fallen down the depth chart a little bit, but he's definitely sneaking himself way back up. And I, I, you and I have played this game before, and, it, and it's almost foolish to play the, okay, let's look forward two or three years and what's our infield going to look like. But the Yankees have Gleyber Torres, who is a can't-miss prospect. At least that's what he's billed to be. They have a 27, 28-year-old uh, second base uh, shortstop combination that's one of the best in baseball. So that's three infielders right there that we that are all young in or in their prime playing out of their minds. So that's three out of the four spots taken right there. 
the other thing about Mateo too is he's actually increased his value on the field because he's now playing center field also. So he's showing that he's got the range to play center. He's got the ability to play the infield, short and second. I don't know how much they're putting him at third. I haven't really been tracking the where he's been playing. But but he can play center, he can play short, he can play second. That's valuable. That's that's especially if you're a team building um, you know, your 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 system and your your future professional team and you're looking for a center fielder or you're looking for a shortstop. I mean, he could fit both of those bills. And he's got tools, and I feel like Billy Bean likes toolsy. tools. He loves toolsy guys. Yeah. Like, I like stuff Billy Bean likes his toolsy guys. <laughs> um, if you can't tell, Scott and I are, are liking the hot stove this year. Yeah, hot stove is fun. <laughs> it is fun. It's like fantasy baseball. It's because we're so starved for, other, for just action at this point. This is the, the lull in the sports here is late June, July, and you got the hot stove, and that's, what, that's the exciting thing. Yeah, and it's leading into it's the potential of also adding that extra that extra little punch that we can get to get to October. I mean, I think I think Yankee fans and I know you and I are just so just so like you know geared up for a real series. Like none of this one game playoff crap this doesn't count as the the playoffs in my opinion. I need a series. Give me a playoff series in the freaking cold in the Bronx now. Give it to me. I need it. Let's move on to talk about some an older player on the Yankees. CC Sabathia did not have his good stuff on Thursday, as we mentioned on the open of the podcast. This is a game the Yankees lose 10 out of 10 times if it was played three weeks earlier, but they scratched. They found a way to win. CC gets pulled in the fifth inning, says, what the fuck, as he's getting pulled. I agreed with Joe's decision. CC was clearly done. Evan Longoria was coming up. Evan Longoria murders the Yankees. I wanted no part of CC versus Longoria. But you could clearly see CeCe was upset, and after the game there were reports that he did not agree with the decision. Well, and it's the second start in a row where he was actually pulled early. I think the start before that, I thought that it was uh, it was an early pull. I, th- I thought it was an early hook for CeCe. He could have gone further. So this would make two in a row. So I think he's like, well, you know, why am I getting pulled now again? Uh, but I agree this time he was out of gas. I mean, he... He was. There were guys on base. It was. It was clearly time when you're watching this game uh, that he should have been out of the game. So I, I had no problem with that one at all. And when you've got a bullpen six guys deep, yeah, it's going to happen more often. Sorry. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, CC did pass Cy Young for strikeouts all time. Twenty eight hundred in this game. Quick sidebar: Is CC a Hall of Famer? Uh, yeah, I think he. I, I got to look at the numbers. I don't, again, I don't even know what the numbers mean anymore in baseball. But um, I, when you when you pass a guy like Cy Young, that's that's pretty that's pretty awesome. First of all, but um, all time strikeout list. That's that's one of those impressive stats to me because it's a duration thing for a pitcher as well. And you were good for that long as a pitcher. So I, I don't know. I feel like pitchers um, when they when they start getting later in their careers and they're still doing their job. Uh, to me, just adds another little notch at their of their on their candidacy. But um, yeah, I think he. Just by going off of my memory and looking at him, I, I, I think he probably is a Hall of Famer. He's, he's damn close, if not. Yeah, I agree. I think he is a Hall of Famer. Um, quickly, I, I'm just noticing some stats that we, we have in the notes here. Longoria versus CeCe. 421 average lifetime, 9 doubles, 8 home runs, 17 RBIs. No chance in hell was CeCe Sabathia going to face Evan Longoria. Yeah, that's 32 for 76, too. That's not like a small that's not, that's sample size. That's a lot of at-bats. Yeah, that's ownage right there. And Longoria home now, runs, that's a lot. 35 home runs career versus the Yankees. That's a season's worth of home runs, most active all time. It, it's just, it was an easy pull. And it didn't work out because Chad Green gave up the run. Yeah, uh, but you got to do that. I mean, especially with Longoria, who's the Yankee killer out there right now. He's the guy that you need to avoid. He's the new, you know, Ortiz who just comes in and just, and just wreaks havoc every time he's up, it seems like, especially in big situations. This was the Gardner game, Gardner series. He had the two walk-offs in this game, and he also had the triple in the ninth inning leading off. There's a guy on third base, nobody out. Frazier grounds out on his first pitch. Judge pops out. Um, Sanchez hits a grounder into the shift, and the Rays basically vomit all over themselves and give <laughs> the Yankees the run. I don't know how else to explain it. No, you got it. No, you got it. Uh, yeah. No one's got it. Yeah, I mean that's that also. If we're looking at signs of of the of, about the Yankees playing good baseball, there's your there's your number one sign. Yeah. That that ball is 100% fielded normally. The shift probably isn't even on. There's just a routine ground ball to the shortstop when we're losing, but we're winning these games. You got two guys who are out of position because they're in the shift. Ha ha! 
who started that Tampa Bay is where it started the shift. It's a nice little cycle of life right there. And they just stare at each other and the ball goes through. I mean, if that wasn't a gift, I, I don't know what is because that was that was beautiful. Yeah. And Gardner basically is like, All right, I got the triple. I'm here waiting. Oh, you guys aren't gonna do it. I can't I can't I can't just sit here again. I gotta do this myself. And then pop, boom, game over. And there were reports after the game that the Yankees view Gardner as their captain. Yeah. I'm sure there were a whole bunch of questions because he's the, you know, he's been, he's the most tenured Yankee uh, by a lot. And he is an elder statesman. He's having a good season. By a year. By a year. Is it only by a year? Well, yeah, he 08 and CC's 09. Yeah, that's true. That's right. Uh, I, I'm thinking position players. I forgot. I wasn't thinking pitchers. But um, yeah, the, uh, uh, the guy is also, I mean, if you no, there's no doubt about it. Robertson. I, I know you can't count Robertson. No, you but, can't count Robertson. But Robertson, he doesn't know half the people on the team. <laughs> but Robertson, okay, you're right. He was there with the old Yankees. He wasn't moving, there with the new Yankees. Moving on, that was a dumb, yeah. dumb comment. <laughs> but um, when you're looking at when you're looking at Guardy, I mean, and everybody, there were people that were bent out of shape. Like, no, we're not. No, he's not the captain. Like, blah blah blah. Shut up! Come on, it's well, their guy. It's it's not interesting. It's 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 interesting that, that he's the leader, their captain. I, I that, there's a big word in there. He's not the captain. He's their captain. There's always a, a guy on a team that's their cat. That's your captain of the team. That that guy exists whether he's labeled or not. It's always a, there's always the the leader, the captain of the team, and that's what that's what he is. He's their guy. Um, he's not a Yankee captain at this point, though. I mean, that's that's not a conversation. No, and he's not going to be named no, a captain. No, he's just he's their guy, and that's. That's right. That's but if they say he is, it is what it is. Here's why it's interesting because he's been in trade talks, or he's been floated as the guy the Yankees are trying to trade to declutter their outfield for two winters. Yeah, it's floated by whom though? <laughs> Us. Cash, and the Cashman media. basically said, "I'm trying to trade Brett Gardner." Yeah, I mean there were there were allusions to to the fact, but also Cashman might be doing Cashman things. I don't know. Maybe that's a ninja. Maybe that's a, a ninja strategy that we don't even know about. And the reality is, Gardner is still the most movable asset in the outfield that the Yankees are willing to move yeah with 19 home runs career high how old is he 33 30-ish he's, he's this dude is 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 uh you know theoretically entering the twilight of his career and he's having probably his best career of uh, his best season of his of his entire career this year it's awesome what are you seeing out of judge right now because he's certainly struggling and he popped out uh when he all he needed was a deep fly ball on Thursday night to get the run in uh, we have some clutch stats here. Late and close, he is 286 batting average, three homers, eight RBIs, 24 strikeouts. Okay, pretty good, I guess. Yeah, that's not bad. That's not the 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 lack of clutch gene I'm seeing all over Twitter. That's not the that's a 286 batting average. That's not bad. That's a guy who could improve, but that's not a bad thing. Um, what I'm seeing is a guy who looks to be pressing too much, looks to be trying to pull the ball again, and is uh, because of that. When he is going after anything that's outside, he's either swinging and missing because he's trying to pull the ball and he's not he's not making contact, um, and he's not picking up that outside slider that that slider to the outside. It doesn't seem like he's picking up out of the hand like he was. But also, I, I think that a lot of the fact that he's not going opposite field like he did early in the year goes into that because even if he does swing at a lot of those pitches on occasion in the first half, he's he's missing it, but he's going to right field, and a lot of times they're falling, or even going over the fence. Um, he needs to get back to that and just making contact and, and spraying the right field again. I think that's where he's at his best. Yeah, I think we uh, he was hitting 330 at the All-Star break, and even though we were elated that he was doing that, we realized he's probably not a 330 hitter, right? Yeah, no doubt. I mean... I don't think anybody ever signed up for that, but he did it for so long right. in the first half. We that almost like, oh, we all were convinced is. that he's yeah. he's superhuman. This guy can't slump. I mean, <laughs> his his swing is so good and stays in the zone for so long. He even hits bad pitches and ones he misses. But no, so he's, while I he's human. While I didn't expect him to be a three thirty hitter, I don't like the fact that it looks like he's now back to last year swinging and flailing at that outside breaking ball and not picking it up like you said. Yeah, I, I think that. The one thing I'm 100% not going to do is overreact to a elongated slump from Aaron Judge because he did put together a ridiculous first half, and what that shows me is that he can make adjustments, and he's done it every single time he made, you know, he made that next jump in the minor leagues, and then obviously this year we saw the jump; it's ridiculous. So this is a guy that's smart enough, good enough, and meticulous enough to to practice and get put the work in to make these adjustments. So I have the confidence that he's a good of a he's that good of a professional that he can bounce back from something like this, but. It's, you know, it's expected. I mean, it's almost like we were wondering how that didn't happen in the first half of the year. So 
I, I think it's it's kind of a long time coming for this this elongated slump, especially for a big guy with a long swing. Um, you know, it had to have come at some point. We just thought he was a superhero, and it didn't happen for a while, and it was weird. Is part of you worried that the fact that they didn't find the tooth, then maybe he's like <laughs> the T-1000 in Terminator 2, and he needs every bit of himself to be the MVP judge that we've seen, and until they find the piece of tooth, he's not going to return to the first half form? It's an interesting theory. It really is. But um, I think he's got the artificial tooth in there, <laughs> and, uh, and and he'll be all right. I'm not, I'm not going to buy into it, though. I thought Sounds he might, like you are. Sounds like I you're thought he that. might use this as an excuse to get some dental work done, but I guess not. Yeah, he could have closed the gap. It would have been a good opportunity to close that gap, but the it's gap stays. It's a little stays. too late, though. I, I, I said that on Twitter, and people were saying, I think it's a little too late for him. He's now known for being a gap, and it's true. Well, I mean, if he closes the gap at some point, it could be a good... It'll be, it would be a good you know indicator in his career, like pre-gap like, judge, no. after-gap judge. See, it's like, uh, you, you remember when um, Jason Alexander, George Costanza showed up to some like award ceremony with a toupee on? It's like, yeah. no, you were the most famous bald guy on TV. You right. can't show up now with hair. That's yeah. judge. You, you were the best gap-tooth home run hitter in baseball. You can't show up with nice, you know, nice teeth now. Yeah, you sound like a degenerate alcoholic right now. I, feel, I hear bottles flying in the back. I'm, you're, how many how many beers did you just drink? Like 15? it's outside. It's outside. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I think it's a, uh, I, I think it's it's I really do think this is a slump that we're seeing that he will absolutely get out of. No doubt. I really don't have any doubt about it. Does it also a problem is that the fact that no one behind him is hitting. Holiday right now is also in a slump. Uh, Holiday's been horrible i mean anemic almost since he's come back which leads me to believe that he's not healthy or he's still coming back and his body's just not back yet and it's just um i don't know when you see what he did in the first half i mean this is a guy that was had a really good year then he gets this freaking voodoo disease and uh and and everything's been bad since then so i don't know maybe he maybe that guy needs some more time off he just needs give give him some fluids (laughs) i I don't know what he needs (laughs) some gatorade some some electrolytes are you at all worried that uh greg bird could come back and uh win the bet for me well see i was thinking about that i saw your tweet (laughs) and what we didn't do is establish an at bat that's true yeah, so, so you there's got to be something right if, now. Yeah, because if Holiday's hitting 230 and then Judge or and then uh, Bird comes back and has like 50 at bats and hits, you know, 300, 280, like that's horseshit. I agree. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like so it's got to be a So call. is it 50 at bats? Ah, 50 at bats is no, that was low. Hey, listen, if uh, if if Greg Bird can come back in late August and actually hit 300 for the month yeah. of September, I think we're going to be really surprised. There's no doubt. We will both get hammered and we'll both buy each other beers. <laughs> it's just be it'll just be we'll just be happy. Yeah. Happy drunk. That's fine. Uh, did Tanaka get happy drunk on Friday night after a good start? Finally, I think he did. I think the I think the Saki was coming out in a big way, big way. 14 <laughs> strikeouts, bombs. Saki bombs for Tanaka. No, I, I really, you know, I saw, I wasn't able to catch the entire game, but I, I went back and looked at all the, the highlights in the, uh, the condensed game and watched pretty much every, every at-bat that he, um, that he threw to. And it really looked like, uh, one, the action on his, on his strikeout pitches, on the, the breaking balls, the down and away, was the best I've seen all year by far. By far, it looked like the most electric his arm was. Um, it looked like the intensity that he was throwing, almost like he was throwing with more, uh, body intensity. I don't even know how to describe it, but it just seems like he was throwing harder with his body and there was more you know, downward action when he was releasing the ball. I don't know how to describe it. It just looked like he was um, a, more of a dominant pitcher. And when you saw the action on the ball, I mean, that was, to me, that was the best start he had all year. How does it happen? How does he go from looking like he did on, on Friday night, which was unhittable, the Tanaka of last year, Two starts when he gives up five home runs in three innings. How did how are is that the same person? Because I think what we have uh, what we have gotten it down to one. The Yankees are saying mechanical, mechanical, mechanical. It's one of these these things. And I'm not buying that anymore. I'm not buying it either. I think it's between the ears. I really do. I think he gets in his own head, and that's when the ball starts flying the ballpark. When he when he keeps that focus, when he keeps that intensity. And, you know, he, he becomes that perfectionist that he's always been. I mean, this guy is a perfectionist. He's been a perfectionist for a long time. When he keeps that up, when he keeps that intensity throughout an entire, um, you know, through every inning, but inning by inning, and he, and he starts lapping them up, um, he's good. He's really good. And I think he loses, I don't know if it's losing focus or just, you know, getting in his own head about, uh, you know, the a lack of confidence after he gives up one home run. I don't know what it is. But I, I am almost convinced now that it's between the ears. 
I think we're watching a partially injured pitcher. Just I don't. like just like how David Price went out there a couple Sundays ago and dominated the Yankees and now is on the DL. Masahiro Tanaka can go, can go out and dominate the Rays, but he's also going to go out there and get shelled over two and a third that's, innings. Uh, that's unfair. He's that's slightly an unfair injured. assessment. That's an unfair assessment. Because he pitched all of last year. He has pitched all of this year. And you're saying you're comparing it to a guy like David Price, who was on the DL to start the, the beginning of the year with elbow injuries. <clears throat> yeah, but And you're coming back and he, he's, he's throwing because he, his arm is jacked up this year. Tanaka's been healthy for two years. Two years. Nobody has said anything. Nobody has found a damn thing in his arm. Why are we still talking They're about They're not an looking injury? in his arm anymore because he goes yes, out there are. and looks like no, shit. No, that's where you're wrong. They are. They've told, even the last time, they're giving him, they're constantly looking at his arm. He's under the radar, under the microscope. They're looking at his arm. Well, why does he go out there with, with flat sliders and no life on his fastball? That's I'm telling not, you. That's not mental. That's physical. It can be. It absolutely can be mental. It, execution of a pitch can 100% be mental. Look at Michael Pineda. He wasn't, he wasn't injured until he I, got injured. I don't think that the entire answer to why Masahiro Tanaka has been a bad pitcher this year is mental. I don't think it's only the answer. I think there what, is some physical. It's total speculation. It's coming out of absolutely nowhere. Of course nowhere. it's total speculation. But That's I mean, all we do. But the thing is, yeah, but we can actually use facts when we're talking about injuries. Because when you're looking at something, you can see if it's actually hurt or not hurt. And he has not been hurt this is a guy that has been healthy for two years two years why are we still talking about this a lot of people are saying that oh maybe the Yankees are acquiring a starting pitcher in Masahiro Tanaka for the stretch run all I'm saying is don't hold your breath on it it could be though I mean we're seeing this guy I mean I this is one person that I thought would eventually Granted, <laughs> it has not come at a fast pace by any means. We're seeing flashes, but we didn't see any of these flashes early on. What we did see is a dominant yes, spring training. What are you, what are you we, talking about? He we saw one, we saw one Park flash. and pitch a complete game shutout in April. One flash. One. I'm not even counting the other one in Anaheim or wherever it was as, as, a, as a flash. It was a good game, but it wasn't. The one in Boston was one. You're right. One in Boston and then one against you, Darvish. But that seems like ever since then, we've seen more flashes. I, he's not. He, I can't go out there and say he's hurt after he strikes out 14 guys. I don't know how anybody can. <laughs> how? It's impossible. I don't get because it. Because I've, I've looked at him and 99% of his starts this year have been dog crap. You can't say 99%. He just struck out 14 guys he's had two three days good, ago. He's had three good starts this year. Let the me one tell you against what. Boston, the he one deserves against... to be in the Hall of Fame if he struck out 14 guys with a torn UCL. Partial Hunt. tear in his UCL. Yeah. Hey, listen. He doesn't want to go on the DL because he's got a contract situation going on. As soon as he doesn't opt out, then maybe he'll be like, oh, my arm, oh, my arm. Well, then we could talk about it more at that point when the doctors see something. But again, you don't think that the doctors, based on this opt-out, are looking at that freaking arm all the time? You, you, better, you know damn well that after every start and probably before the start, they're looking at that arm. Even they said they did C, what, CSI on the arm. They've been doing it. They've been looking. I don't know. They're what not they're talking about it. Oh, boy. Well, how about how about our, our guy Chase Headley with the two-run oppo field pinch hit home run on Saturday afternoon? Yo, your boy is playing some good baseball. I got to tell you, he's a left-handed hitter. I don't know why he would ever go back. He's hurting his own value if he goes to the right side. I mean, he just needs to be a left-handed pe- uh, batter. And, um, yeah, two-run shot, oppo. It crawled over the field, but it got over the, field, over the uh, fence. And uh, big home run, big spot. I mean, that's 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 good stuff. What is you, he hitting? We saw we saw this year on the full year batting left handed, two ninety three. All five of his home runs left handed. Yeah. Do you realize that the home run on Saturday was his first home run since two thousand eight? <laughs> no, come on. <laughs> I think it was more like June, and I, I want to say it was two thousand seventeen because he did have that. Beautiful scent with the good hair when he was out in San Diego. But for this is a that was fake news. This is real news. Four of his five home runs against Tampa this year. Oh, that's good. I like that. In in a, a, an AL East opponent, no doubt. It's good stuff. As you said, two ninety three batting left handed, and then since the All Star break, three seventy seven with a nine forty nine OPS. That's those are first baseman numbers, and he's playing a decent first base. I give him, and this is with all sincerity, as much as I have killed Chase Headley. I give him credit for going over to first base. And now he's going to suck. Thank you very much. Really appreciate that. Now that you've let, I didn't off, make, let him no, off no. the hook, no, no, no. he's going to be terrible. I didn't, I didn't make predictions. I only jinx people when I predict things. I didn't predict shit. 
In fact, I would predict he's going to suck again pretty soon because that's uh, the that Chase sounds Headley like a, we That sounds know. like a forced prediction. It's, I don't know. I'm working against this one. Look, the, the, the funny thing mm-hmm. is when you're looking at the Headley numbers also and, and you look at the, what they were trying to do, and, and I really hope that this guy is not included in the Sunday Gray Talks, but Yonder Alonso, who who absolutely spiked in the first half of this year. I think he's batting under 200 yeah. since the All-Star break. I was just going to say his numbers Falling since off the June face 1st, of the planet. not yeah. good. Yeah, so he's come back to to the to earth to the guy that you know everybody thought he was. Maybe Carlos Beltran stopped giving him advice. <laughs> Maybe that was ordered down from the the Astros brass, and that was his uh, his Achilles heel. His Achilles heel. But um, there's just no there's no reason for that trade at this point. You're just adding too many bodies, and you know what are you going to do if Greg Bird does come back? And that's to me still a big if. Well, exactly. You've got a lot of bodies coming back. Potentially Aaron Hicks at the end of this month and. Tyler Austin's also rehabbing. I don't know what their plans are for Tyler Austin, but there's going to be too many bodies. Yeah, Tyler Austin's going to be playing Triple A, uh, unless unless Why? Garrett Cooper. I mean, maybe, maybe not. Well, it's it would be him or Garrett Cooper. I mean, they're, they're both the right-handed option at first base. True. So but that's if, who it if, would be. It would be whoever's playing better. If, if okay, exactly. Uh, another thing from this Saturday game that I really really liked was Girardi used Betances in the sixth inning. Yeah, that was shocking to me. Yeah. Hey, maybe it's that maybe it's that, that that exact shift that we've been looking for for a long time. He's learning. I mean, he's learning, or he's I mean, listening to the podcast. One of the two, probably both. I mean, because you do learn when you listen to this podcast. There's lots of nuggets, lots of nuggets, especially when it comes to X's and O's and baseball. They should all listen to us. But when you have the amount of weapons that he's got in the bullpen now, I mean, you'd be stupid. You'd be just the most stubborn old man by not using these guys in different positions to put out fires because you have enough of them to do it and. You know, it just makes sense at this point. I mean, it made sense before. It makes even more sense now. Is Batances the fireman, though? Is he the fireman? Does he have the ability if to be If he can throw fireman? strikes, he is. Exactly. He, See, that's, that's the okay. problem. It, because Andrew Miller goes in and doesn't walk anybody. Right. Dylan Batances, prior to this year, goes in and didn't walk anybody. But we've seen what Batances is. Sometimes he goes out there and can't find the strike zone. So I don't know if I feel comfortable with Batances as the fireman. I'm glad Girardi is trying it because it's a break from the norm. And any time managers are adapting i think that's a good thing trying something different especially like you said when you've got robertson canely and warren and green you, yeah. you can you have margin for error but and there's no chance it's the guy no because when you're talking about those guys and you, you quickly run down the uh, the the list of uh, of guys you just said robertson 100 percent not a not a fire out guy he literally is houdini he gets in messes then gets out of them lately he's been giving up home runs as well Canely, to me, is the guy that is the most attractive because he throws a ton of strikes as well. He throws the ball hard. He, he can strike people out. Um, he's a guy that's very interesting about throwing anywhere because he's, he's got the strikeout ability um, and he doesn't walk guys. So to me, that's a guy that you really have to circle when you're in a bad jam and you could go, uh, go to a guy to, to put out a fire. I, I like Canely in that spot, too. I'm really liking him a lot. Yeah, I Even think- the other day, he got into trouble, his own mess, and got out of it. I think we're going to eventually look at the trade as the Canely trade. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think um, he's definitely the highlight for sure. All right. Anything you want to talk about from Sunday afternoon or you want to move into mailbags? I mean, I think we should touch just briefly on on the fact that uh, that Monty is just we, – we already talked about that, but he was not, he was not good. I mean, we need to see him get no back bueno. to – we need to see him get back. You know, maybe this innings thing. See, I, to me, when you're talking about innings things and, and rookie guys who haven't thrown that many innings, that is a real thing. That could be an absolute real thing. When you're in the minor leagues, your season ends earlier. You're not throwing as many innings. Um, that could be a real thing. Arm fatigue definitely with, with a, a young guy like that could could definitely be a thing. So uh, definitely some at least right now just to keep our eye on him. What about a? Uh, he's been reading the the news. He thinks, oh, maybe I am on an in- innings limit. I need to be perfect. Is that in his head as well? No, because if he's if he's at an innings limit innings limit and he's trying to combat that, well, he did a good job today because he only threw two innings. Well, he's trying to be efficient, but he threw seventy pitches in three innings. Yeah, I I don't know. He's still walking also, a lot of guys. Why was he wearing he was trying long to be efficient? Sleeves. He walked four he was guys. Wearing in long two sleeves. Innings. It was like eighty five degrees out today. Yeah, maybe Aroldis Chapman told him about the sweating, and it's been working for him lately. And tried something new. I don't know. Get some sweat on your hand, and then it can yeah. be like a little spitball. Come out like a drenched. Like you just you just walk through the desert and you'll pitch well. <laughs> Although Chapman has been freaking lights out the last two games. I mean, the last two appearances he's been lights out. That yeah. that's something that's absolutely very positive because he ain't moving from that ninth inning. And I'm starting to get that confidence. <laughs> he's back. got eighty six million dollars, eighty six yeah. million reasons why he's not moving from that ninth inning. 
Yeah, that dude is going nowhere. So he needs to throw. I mean, what was he consistently at like 103, 104 on uh, yesterday, on Saturday, right? So that's good stuff. That's very good to see. He's healthy, and it looks like he's back to the uh, strike throwing, hard throwing, and actually throws up that changeup and, and, and slider over the plate at a very big difference in speed. So it's effective. Before we move into mailbag, Scott, why don't you tell people why it's imperative for them to pause the podcast right now and go rate and review the podcast? It's imperative for you to do this because it helps us in the rankings and the ratings. It helps us get more guests, better guests, high-quality guests. It only improves your listening experience. So go right now, pause it, give us a five-star review in the Apple Podcast app. It's the best thing to do. Give us some some good uh, review. Give us some good content so we can read it on the air. But we really do appreciate it. Andrew and I have a blast doing this. We want to do this for a long time. We want to increase the rankings in the in the podcast so we can get more guests. And the only way we do that is if you listen to the show, you like it, and you tell your friends, and you download. And then you go and you review. Because those reviews, while they may not look important, they're extremely important when you are talking about rankings and vision in the iTunes store. So thank you very much. We appreciate you guys. And um, that's it. Go do it now. (laughs) First mailbag question is from Eric. And he says, will we regret the Gamble trade or is he just a one-year wonder? We've praised Brian Cashman for his trading ability on the last podcast. And I still think he's he's almost always a hit with the trades. Gamble one's not looking too good right now. It's not looking too good, but at the same time, we have ch- we're chock full of outfielders, and that was one of the reasons he did it. He was trying to, and we saw what what he did with um, even that Justin Wilson trade a couple of years ago when we got Sessa and Green. Green. He he was just trying to add depth to the minor leagues pitching, and what did we get for uh, again, Herrera, Herrera, right? Uh, I think we got Herrera, who's uh, who's already come up and made an appearance, but he's in Double A. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's true. But anyway, I thought it, it was whatever. A low, I thought it was, it was a, a single A. It was a pitcher. Yeah, he was in single and then moved up. Either way, if it's not him, it's a, it's another. it was another arm um, that is adding to depth in the minor leagues. And that's what they're doing. They're trying to throw as many arms, I think, in the minor leagues so that they can see what, you know, the cream rise to the top. Um, and obviously, we it just wasn't a drastic need to have another outfielder. Yes, he's going to be good. It looks like he's good this year. He's a gamer. You know, he's got the Jesus hair right now. Wouldn't have the Jesus hair. Maybe it's the hair. I don't know. The Yankees got Juan DePaula and Gio Orzisco. Okay, so I was completely wrong, and Herrera came over from the Marlins, maybe? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. Whatever. Uh, hopefully well, I, those guys I, will I pan just out, think, but again, it was a depth move. I don't think we're going to regret the gamble trade. Well, I mean, we might, but was, he is, kills, if, he kills us, if he kills us at a bad time, we will. I just think that, like you said, <laughs> it would only be a huge regret is if the Yankees have like a huge hole in the outfield, and I don't think that's going to be a case. Or if he hurt us in a playoff situation, but guess what? Yeah, the Mariners, come on. Mariners are not doing that. It's not 1995 anymore, Seattle. (laughs) What's the next mailbag question? The next one is from Chris. He said, would you offer Todd Frazier a three-year deal to play first base next year and and move Headley? That would, in turn, open a spot for Torres at third. Torres. Torres. Torres at third. I'm I'm on fire right now. Uh, Of course, with Tommy John surgery, he may come back in mid-late. April, but I think that would be a def- uh, that would be a defensive and team upgrade, and uh, I I mean to me no no hundred percent no. Interesting. I like Chris bringing up maybe sell high on Chase Headley, try and pawn him off on somebody, sucker somebody into taking Chase Headley now that he's hitting pretty good since the All Star break. Well, they're going to move him in the off season. That's that's going to be a thing. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think Chase Headley's coming back as the uh, the everyday first baseman either. I think. I don't know what the hell is going to happen at first base, to tell you the truth. They're not giving Todd Frazier a three-year deal, I can tell they you They still hope Greg Bird comes back and is the first baseman. I, I think I they've got one more run with it at Greg Bird. If Greg Bird does not do anything next year, whether it's injury or, or he fails on the field, I think then that's the last run of Greg Bird we'll see. But they're going to try one more time. I think I agree with you because they've, they've, they think they've found the problem with, with the foot, and now they need to see what he does after the problem is solved. And if he was, if he is the guy that we thought he was in what 2000 seems like five years ago now 2015, um, then you know obviously he's the the long term first baseman. I just I mean Todd Frazier is is an absolute clear rental. Yes. The next question is from Matt. I don't like personal catchers, but do you mind that they are get, that they are having Romine catch Gumby every start? Maybe Gumby can work with Gary next year. 
Uh, I don't know. I got. I got, I don't like personal catchers. I'm impartial. If it works, well, we out, killed. We killed them. Tanaka for potentially having a personal catcher, but we really have not criticized Gumby at all for having a personal catcher. We. I don't think it's Gumby's choice. It just seems Girardi is intent on playing Romine every time Montgomery pitches. Well, that might that might not happen anymore because Romine got beat the hell up today. So, and it's not like Gumby's been good. Well, he was the last the last outing. But three out of four it's, starts. It's not a personal catcher situation where you're else? saying you're not saying that he's better with one guy rather than another. It's not that. No, it's not. It's not. It's not that. I don't. I just don't see this as a, I see as a young guy, and and maybe Romine is uh, is just a little bit more of a veteran and can help him out in certain situations. I'm not playing anything. We well, caught him in the minors. Yeah, I just don't care. I don't think it's that big of a deal. <laughs> But it was a big deal for Tanaka. Yeah, because we cared at that point. I don't care if Gumby has a, a guy that they, they roll out with him. It just doesn't matter to me, honestly. If I'm being completely honest, I don't think it's that big of a deal if he does. He's a younger guy. It's a different situation. Well, we might get a chance to see Sanchez catch him next start if Romine is injured from that yeah. hand, that Tanaka, hit on the Tanaka hand. Tanaka was more of like the prima donna situation we're looking at. We're like, okay, this guy is being a prima donna needs his guy. And that was also part of the issue. Whereas Gumby is a young guy. They're just trying to get him to do well. We and also... If he's, sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, I just don't think it's that big of a deal. I think it's overblown. And, and that's why I think it hasn't made any news. I mean, have we heard anything about this? I don't think... There really hasn't been much talk about it because when you have a, de- a guy that's developing, you do what's best for his development at that time. I, I just don't think it's a... I think it's a non-issue. I think for a lot of people, and I know it was this way for me, is that a uh, problem with the Tanaka personal catcher was that we envisioned a one-game playoff situation or a one-game or the game one of a division series and Tanaka was on the mound and Gary Sanchez isn't behind the home plate. I think right. that's a problem. Right. I, I agree with you. Then, and I don't see that as uh, as being a problem with this situation, <clears throat> but Gary Sanchez, I think, I think push game, push game the shove. They would still, they would still play Gary Sanchez. Maybe what, he can play what? for DH because Matt holiday still has a voodoo disease. So that would take over the problem also. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, before we uh, close up this show, we do have a fact check Ralph sent in that we have been saying Girardi's last deal was for three years, but it's actually for four years, and this is his 10th season as manager. His first two contracts were for three years, and his last one was for four. So if the Yankees do re-sign him after this year, maybe they do go four years, maybe they go three, maybe they go shorter. Who knows? Who knows? But they will sign him, and it will be a multi-year deal. Thank you for to everyone who submitted mailbag questions. If you guys want to do that, go to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. You can also tweet us at Yankees Podcast. My handle is at Andrew underscore Rotondi. You can find Scott at Scott Reinen. Obviously, tweet at Bronx Pinstripes. Call the voicemail line 646-480-0342. We've got some voicemails coming up. Scott, anything you want to say before we get out of here? Maybe Sonny Gray is a Yankee right now. Maybe he isn't. Maybe he is later today. And if he is, we will come on for a special trade deadline, Sonny Gray edition of the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Who knows? Justin Verlander is going to be in New York tomorrow. Maybe he switches dugouts and he's a Yankee. And we get Jacoby Ellsworth to go to the other side. And the Yankees can finally, finally, the Yankee fans can applaud Jacoby Ellsbury when he rolls out, runs out to center field in a Tigers uniform. <laughs> that, would that would be, be a great day. Sweet irony. Any trade, big or small, we're doing a special trade deadline episode if the Yankees make a move. All right, guys, we'll talk to you on Thursday. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? (laughs) Believe it or not, I'm not home. Ellsbury, please be released. Get out of here, Ellsbury. You're trash. Nobody wants you here in New York. Get the fuck out of here. Driving home on Monday night, and I thought there was a Yankee game tonight. I was so excited. I was at Buffalo Wild Wings, and I was like, Jet, my bartender, obviously. Please put the Yankee game on. She kind of gives me a dirty look. Doesn't put the Yankee game on. She puts the Orioles on. I look at my phone, look at Yankees at best. Fucking Monday. Well, I'm just so excited that they just beat Seattle Mariners. All hail the freaking night, Sir DD freaking Gregorius. I can't be any more happier with now my favorite shortstop from New York Yankees. I'm renaming this week DD Week. 
Didi with the real MVP this week. Keep it up, man. You're keeping our hopes alive. Half the game back now. Keep it going. Saying this with all due respect, I give all the props in the world to Vince Scully, but John Sterling's home run call for Clint Frazier might be the sweetest sound I've ever heard. Hey guys, it's Paul from Richmond. How bad are these fifth starters? Seriously, can we get an adult out there? Who the hell are these guys? Can't win without five starters. Get something better. Yeah, I'm good with the trade. Um, I mean, it's an upgrade over what we had filling in the roles, you know, Sessa, Smith, and those guys. Uh, so, I mean, if we can add Sonny Gray to it, uh, I'm good with that. If not, I mean, at least Cashman didn't give up the big uh, prospects and stuff like that. So, he gave up. I like Little, uh, but, you know, he, he, yeah, we didn't give up. Uh, we still got the main top prospect that we wanted to keep. So, kudos to Cashman for not giving up those guys. And uh, maybe... The A's wanted, you know, some bigger names, and it didn't work out. So I'm happy with where we're at. We're top of the AL East. We're coming for it. Let's go. Also, love the freaking Robertson and Canley trade. That's two really good, controllable relievers, which you need to win a World Series for a prospect that may be highly ranked, but hasn't hasn't even gotten past A ball. As far as I'm concerned, that's a steal, especially if we win a World Series. Because Blake Rutherford could be a good player, but you can't guarantee he's going to be a star. He's in freaking A-ball. What? What the heck is going on with Matt Malone? It's ridiculous. You can't put a fucking ball in play. Wow, that was a dog shit game by the offense. More specifically, Aaron Judge. Uh, so win for that big hit there, buddy. You're uh, trending dangerously close to A-Rod stat added territory. So, uh, clean it up, right? See ya. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.